Hi, and welcome to Evidence for Faith. Oh, so glad you're joining me. Hope you're having a good day as we continue in our series on why are there so many different cotton-picking translations? Why are there so many out there? I mean, it's a good question. And in this study is, if you've been following, we're doing 20 different translations and talking about how they're made, purpose, uh, when they were done, unique features, pros, cons, things like this about them, and comparing them actually in Scripture. The passage that we're using primarily is um, Titus chapter 2, 11, and 13. But I want to read, as I did in the last lesson with the New King James, I read both the King James and the New King James, and I thought, what a great way to start reading this one that we're doing today. This is the New Revised Standard Version. And Psalm 23 reads like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Now, if you're familiar with uh, the other two or just the um, out of some other translation, you notice there's a few things different in this translation. And as I said, this is the New Revised Standard Version. And um, this was made um, to replace the an older translation, which was called the Revised Standard. Makes sense. Now we have the New Revised Standard Version. Um, the time frame for this was, um, they published this around 1997, and they made the readability on it. It's not the easiest to read. Um, it's written on a grade 11 readability chart, running it through a test. That's what it comes out to be, about a grade 11. So it's more advanced high school and up in age. What type of translation is it? This is mostly a formal translation. Often, it, it is claimed to be a word-for-word, -word, just flat-out, straight, word-for-word -word translation. And for most of the text areas, it definitely is. It is a formal translation. Um, some Bible and university scholars actually have written articles about it, stating that this is one of the most, if not the most, uh, accurate English translation available today. I know some scholars that, personally, that they believe that, that they use this one primarily as what they teach with. Um, others have some problems with it, but minor problems, we'll just say. Now, why did they even make this translation? Why did they feel we needed another one? Well, they had the Revised Standard Version, which was made in 1952, but they wanted to make a more modern, uh, accurate version. Uh, make a really, really good translation. And uh, in doing so, they, they're more, after 1952, more manuscript evidence has become available. The Dead Sea Scrolls are now more um, available and stuff. So they started using all of that also. 
And the primary problem was that they felt a new uh, a need to redo the revised standard was the English language is constantly evolving, and it's quite different when you compare the English we speak today with the 16th century English of like the King James Version, or um, you start getting into the 17th century. Even back then, it the, the language was so different. And even in the 20th century, when they did the first revised standard in 1952, the language has changed so much again. So in the latter 1990s, just before 2000, um, they decided we need to upgrade this thing and make this a more accurate translation because the English language keeps evolving. And that was the thing. They also had one other purpose behind uh, what they did. They wanted to take out some of the um, the way the pronouns are set. They wanted to uh, include a gender-neutral language in this new translation. So it is. It is gender more gender neutral. Now, what did they translate from? Primarily, they used the 1952 Revised Standard. Now, if you've never heard of this, you might have heard of its predecessor because it was a revision of what's called the American Standard Version. That was done in 1901. It's on public domain. Often when you buy software or download software, you will get a copy of the American Standard Version 1901 which was a revision of the King James Version from 1611. So, um, yeah, you had the King James, then you had the American Standard, then you had the Revised Standard, and now we have the New Revised Standard, and that's how it goes. You, some unique features about it, as you probably caught already, the, the language is um, a little easier to read than, say, like a King James. And it is a modern language, but it does have gender-friendly pronouns. Now, that can be a positive or a negative, depending upon your worldview. Um, it is an accurate version, though. I don't think anyone will really argue about the accuracy of the word translating from the Greek, Hebrew, um, and uh, Chaldean into English. They have done a very good job in most cases on this. It was translated by a group of scholars, and and this is unique. They they chose a group of scholars that from Protestant denominations, Roman Catholicism, the Eastern Orthodox Church, and, and others to make this translation. For this reason, it's free, uh, largely free of bias towards any one Christian tradition, um, even though they did make a specific Roman Catholic edition. Uh, there is that. So it seems like it's a really good translation. Are there any you know, pros and cons to it. Well, the pros is it is a formal translation. No question about that. Uh, some problems, though, well, one that is very frequent is some of the wording in uh, Messianic prophecies are, shall we say, vague. Uh, the most common one uh, that's brought up, the most prominent, is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. In the Revised Standard, New Revised Standard, this translation, it reads, Look, the young woman is with child. Instead of looking at um, the Septuagint, or like the King James, where it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. There is a difference between a virgin and a young woman. So there is one type of an example, and there are very few of these in there, um, of Messianic prophecies, but there are some people who say that the uh, there's vagueness in some of the prophecies. 
Um, another thing is, and I've already sort of touched on this already, they made a very controversial decision to translate some gender-specific words. What do I mean by this? Um, give an example. Instead of, like in other translations, it'll say um, mankind, they'll say, this translation translates mankind as people. Um, brothers into brothers and sisters. So they're trying to be more conscious of the gender movements and stuff like this. Uh, the fact that this is gender inclusive in some of its renderings, actually what prevents it from being adopted by many conservative and evangelical Christians. Um, I've actually come across many churches, and, and as I've taught classes at churches and, and at schools and stuff, and I've mentioned the New Revised Standard, I've had many people say, what is that one? I've never even heard of that. It's not as accepted in evangelical Christianity. Um, let's take a look, though, at how it reads. Um, it reads, this is going to be the Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13 that we've been reading, and we will continue to read this all the way through our series for comparison. So if you have your Bible, it's a great passage to memorize. So if you haven't memorized, um, or if you look up in your Bible and follow along with me, this is Titus 2, 11 through 13 in the New Revised Standard Version. It reads, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions in this present age, to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you probably notice in that one, the readability is definitely upper high school level on some of the terms that were used in the way that it was put together. Um, so it's it's not a bad translation, though, though it's not really popular, as I stated, among uh, conservatives. It is nonetheless a good translation. Um, it is endorsed by many in the Episcopal Church. Uh, the United Methodist Church uses this and endorses it. The Evangelical Lutheran Church also in America, they endorse it. The Presbyterian Church endorses this translation. And the United Church of Christ and the Reformed Church in America all use this frequently as their basis of text of the Bible. Um, and by the way, I should mention too, there is a new translation of this one that has just recently come out. It's called... Uh, we have the New Revised Standard, the NRSV. Well, this one is called the NRSVUE. Yes, UE, which stands for Updated Edition. And they've made some more changes having to do with uh, some gender things and um, in the language in that. But it's just a, a, a newer thing. It hasn't really spread as far as and my research shows it has not gone out very far because it's, it's fairly new. But the New Revised Standard Version is used in a number of churches here in the United States, and it's used in a number of um, uh, colleges, universities, classical universities, and even some seminaries. They use this. It's a good translation. I have, um, I've had a copy of, <laughs> matter of fact, I grew up on uh, King James, and after I had King James, um, I found a, a Revised Standard, used it for years, and then when they in 1997, when this one came out, immediately went out and bought a new Revised Standard. I use it sometimes. It's not one I go to a lot, but it is a very good translation. And I will use it frequently, looking up certain passages as I study. And I advise you can do the same thing with that. Um, it is a good translation. So 
uh, that's that one. And I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you're having some fun as you're um, as we are looking at all these different translations. Like, why do we need to have another one? What was the reason for making these things? And I so thank you for joining me and listening in on these podcasts. And hope you will continue to do this as we explore 20 different translations. Love to hear from you. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to, to contact us on our website. We'd love to uh, love to get letters. We'd love to get cards. I'm so thankful that we often get a lot uh, of cards and stuff. At, at times we'll come and people will send us little notes, even like a, about the size of a three by five card. They'll just put it in an envelope or a postcard and send it to us. And we love that. Love to hear from you. And if God ever puts upon your heart to help us in our ministry, we're always looking for people to sponsor and help this ministry because everything is done for free. And we thank you so much. So until we meet again, take care and may God bless. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you to our donors who make this program possible. You can help us produce the next course by becoming a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give or use the links in the description. Don't forget to leave a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.